Live with Rachel and Kate Spiritual Speak. Hi everyone, I'm Rachel and this is Rachel and Kate Spiritual Speak. Welcome. So Kate, how are you today? I am great and so excited to be here with you and those who are listening live or even to the recording. Just so excited that we could be together. Yes, I do love our radio show. So today I've been doing some really interesting work. Um, I did a three-hour anxiety therapy session with a lovely regular client of mine and he came in quite um, tired sort of on the board of exhaustion, quite anxious, um, frustrated about some things. And he left here a different person. And it was just so lovely to see that change in him. And my voice might sound a bit husky because I have been speaking for hours straight today <laughs> doing yeah. hypnotherapy. Um, but, yeah, it's powerful stuff. I mean, I've been using a lot of hypnotherapy lately with people. And it's just... It never ceases to amaze me just how much people can really have power back in their life just by allowing the subconscious to be accessed and for us to talk to that part of them that might not be behaving in the way they want it to. So, yeah, it's been an interesting day today for me, definitely. Mm. It's mm. still early there. So your day's probably not got started yet, right? <laughs> right. No, the the dog's been out and he's been fed and I, I've been fed and that's about it. <laughs> that's about oh. it. Um but yeah. I I'm you know, I you and I haven't talked a lot about the anxiety therapy and you know, I had never even heard of that until you were telling me that you were offering that to your clients. And, I, Rachel, I know that you do, it's not just one thing, that you incorporate all the healing modalities and information and guidance, not only from within yourself but your guides as well, to help people. Can, can you share with everyone more about what anxiety therapy is? Yeah, I mean, I blend together so many different therapies because every person needs a unique no two people have got the same issue. No two people are wired the same way. So I'll draw upon some of the more, as, as we call it, the woo-woo stuff, you know, so the spiritually-based mm-hmm. things like Reiki and Rahani, celestial healing. And we'll draw upon more sort of clinical therapies like hypnotherapy, uh, mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy, and things like that too. And we'll just weave in some life coaching, um, any spiritual sort of inklings that I might get, I'll include there as well. So, for example, if um, someone's asking me about a proposed change of life path that they're thinking of undertaking, um, I'll usually get a really strong indication whether that's right for them or not. Usually, if somebody's really lit up when they're talking about something, that's a great indication to me that they are making a good decision in their life to do something that they're very passionate about. So Mm -hmm. quite often the anxiety therapy turns into a little bit of everything, which is great. You know, I prefer to have a really good long talk 
with someone and work out where they're at, what their needs are, and then design the therapy on the spot around them. So, for example, today there was lots of hypnotherapy because there are lots of things that um, were seemingly out of the person's control. But really, they were subconscious decisions that just needed a bit of tweaking and reprogramming and reframing um, to make life different. So the perception of life and the core belief is changed, mm-hmm. which then makes it easier. So, mm. yeah, it was. I really enjoy this aspect of my work. It's, it's always fascinating to see the change in people, you know, and that, to me, means the world. Love mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you can hold that space for someone else, because they have to do the work, you just... You know, you and I, we just hold that space for them and guide them a little bit, but it's they're doing all the work. Um, mm. So when when they're, when they see that subconscious beliefs or that energy that they've been holding um, in the anxiety therapy and along with the hypnotherapy, you just help them hold that space to face that energy and heal it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, with hypnotherapy, as a therapist, I am using um, suggestions as well that then sit within the subconscious so that, say, for example, someone feels angry all the time for no reason, we can then talk to that part of them that's angry and try and find out why. We can Mm -hmm. also place the suggestion that from this point onwards, every time they start to feel that anger rise for no good reason, that the body responds differently, the mind responds differently, and you feel calm and composed and relaxed instead. Mm-hmm. So it becomes impossible for them to get really angry about something that's not important. Mm-hmm. And amazing, brilliant. Um, I mean, I've used hypnotherapy to help me lose weight. I've used hypnotherapy to help me. Well, back in the day when I used to smoke, I don't smoke anymore, mm-hmm. and that's part because of hypnotherapy. Um, mm-hmm. So there's so many different things that it can be used towards. And years ago, it was a subject I knew nothing about. It didn't interest me one bit. But the more I saw it work for other people, and the more I thought, hmm, okay, well, maybe I should study this subject and see what's in it for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it just became this fascination over the years. I mean, I've been qualified for a long time now. Um, maybe, yeah, about 11 years. Um, and it's just it's great, you know, to see how people can change their lives mm-hmm. just by listening can get them in a very, very relaxed state and then speak to their subconscious in such a way that it changes their decision-making ability. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah, ever you had know, hypnotherapy? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I was being facetious. I said, have you ever had hypnotherapy, Kate? But I know you have because you've had it with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I have. <laughs> I've had it with you. And, and it is so very powerful. You know, with the work I do with Florence Scovel Shin and, and uh, working with, with the subconscious to pull forward those subconscious thoughts and beliefs and, that we have that hold us back, um, you know, I'm a little familiar with how that works, but I had never done hypnotherapy until I did it with you. And it was... <laughs> 
it was life-changing because it's so easy to recognize that energy that our subconscious has been holding on to to keep us back and keep us from moving forward or keeping, you know, holding that happiness just out of reach. And then doing that hyp- hypnotherapy with you, it just made it really easy to see that energy and to process through that energy and then move forward in a really positive, way, loving way. You know, that that's the other thing about doing any kind of work with you, Rachel, is that there's just so much love there. You feel completely safe no matter how scary something might be on our own. When you're there holding that space, which is, you know, the very best of any kind of practitioner to hold that space in such a love energy that we feel safe and can heal whatever it is that's been holding us back. It's it's just truly a miraculous process. Oh, thank you. That's glowing feedback. I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we have a few people have called in, but no one's got their hand up. If you would like to talk with Rachel and I, just push star 2 on your phone, and that will raise your hand and we'll bring you on the line. Um, So with the hypnotherapy, um, is there, I know you can't, um, you were not teaching or anything, but with hypnotherapy, that's something that, you can just hold that safe space for people so that whatever fears they've had in the past are are not painful. Is is how does that work with hypnotherapy? Well, you can obviously you need to really establish if there's say for example a phobia or there's a, a past event that's got um unpleasant um triggers that still affect your life today. Um, you then, part of the process is to get the client, once they're in that relaxed trance state, to actually think about that past event, to recall it, and then we reframe it mm-hmm. so that you go back to it with a different perspective of who you are now and look at that situation again and ask, what did you expect to happen here? and then work on reframing the importance of it. Because quite often, when we go back to a traumatic event or a trigger for a phobia, we do realize within that process, even within the trance state, that the effect of that was far less and needs to be far less, really, than the importance subconscious mind is placed upon it. And so once you're speaking to that subconscious part, you can actually... Get it to go. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't have to think like that anymore. Oh, okay then. <laughs> you know, so it's mm-hmm. like the mind is changing its perception of how to review that event. So you can actually come out of a hypnotherapy session no longer having a phobia. I've I've actually done that myself. I've experienced that myself. Um, and it no longer has a hold or effect on you, no matter what triggers usually make it occur. So mm-hmm. it's it's powerful. You know, we we don't realize. I'm I'm sorry, Rachel. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that we don't realize how much our subconscious runs our lives until we start addressing the things that energy within us that that doesn't feel comfortable. 
you know, we might want to do something, but and, it, and it's something that would really make us happy, but then there's that feeling within us that, you know, maybe we don't, we, and we don't, it doesn't even have a name, but when we start looking at it, it's for some reason we feel like we don't deserve it or we're not worthy to do something. And when we address that subconscious belief or, or thought process, then everything starts to change and we're released from that, from that pain and that, and, and that anxiety. Um, and sometimes those things will come from past lives. Um, just yesterday, Rachel, I, I had a client <clears throat> that I was doing an angel reading with, and some, some past life stuff came up, and I recommended you to her if she needed additional help to process through that, because I don't do past life regression. And, um, you know, it, 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 let, what can we talk about that just a little bit, past life regression on, on how that works and, and how that benefits people? Mm, definitely. Sorry, I, I dropped out for a second, I think, technologically a moment ago, so sorry I didn't reply. I was trying to. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, wonderful techno gremlins. Um, yeah, past life regression especially is good for dealing with that stuff that we can't pinpoint the cause for. You know, I mean, the phobia I was referring to earlier was definitely um, not based in this lifetime. It was a very strange reaction. I had to a particular accent, um, which then by reliving the experience in the past life, you then release the repression that caused it. So sometimes just reliving it is enough. Sometimes a little bit more help is needed where you'll experience something in the past life recall process that, creates a real, really strong emotional reaction that you recognize as one in this lifetime as well. So you can then pinpoint the original cause in the past life and then work on allowing that to go by then placing the suggestion in the subconscious that this is just a memory and it no longer needs to be kept or to influence who you are today because it's my belief and the belief of many people who believe in reincarnation that when we leave the physical body and we return to the place between lives or heaven or spirit, whichever label you wish to place there, we have absolute recall of every life we've ever lived. And we can remember everyone we've ever been, all the experiences we've had, and what we've learned from them. So by reliving that past life experience, we are actually subconsciously reminding ourselves that it was in the past. It no longer has a hold on us today. It's got no bearing or reflection on who we are today. And we can also, as part of the past life recall process, actually go to the place between lives at that point which we left that lifetime that we're reliving. So it all sounds a bit complicated, but it's actually very simple. Which is why so that you pick a qualified therapist to do this sort of work with because if you don't understand all of the pieces as a practitioner as to you know how complex it can be if someone gets into a bit of a pickle when exploring their past life you've got to be able to get them and guide them into the the place to you know find resolution with that so for me for example um my past life related phobia um, was because I was surrounded by people with a certain accent 
when I died. Mm. And because I died a violent death, that accident was producing this fight or flight fear, you know, I must flee response every time I heard it. Mm -hmm. So by reliving experience, you know, my subconscious then understood why I was experiencing that physical response to it. And from that point on, I never had the reaction again. Mm-hmm. That's so important. You know, things happen, and we don't, and, and we feel like you said that flight or fight reaction. We're triggered, and we don't know why, and we're just standing there going, "What happened?" And you know, we're or we burst into tears, or you know, there's just no telling what might happen. Um, I know I had a past life that. Um, I would I would just go into immediate fear when when I'd get triggered, and that was and, and it, at first it was you know I didn't understand what was happening and then then as I started researching it and looking at it 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 just totally made no sense from this lifetime but looking when I asked my guides past lifetime you know you feel that that yes in your body that yes this is from something in the past and 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 going through that that experience again and finding out that, you know, I guess I had thought that I, I let God down on something that I was supposed to do and, and then finding out that, no, I didn't. I had fulfilled my mission. It was like this huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And every time I've done a past life regression, that's that's always been the case, that I've felt, well, so much better from all from within to without and it's just such a miraculous experience. It's like a huge weight gets lifted off of you, and you can breathe better. Um, uh, someone that I, I, I talked to recently, she felt that if she breathed deeply, she could die. Um, wow. And, yeah, and then the angel showed me that it was a past life thing. It had nothing to do with this life. It was a past life thing, and... Um, when I said that to her, she understood, yes, that's exactly what it feels like and, and had to explain to her that you're safe now. And, and as you and I were just discussing, the subconscious understanding that she's safe now and she mm-hmm. can breathe deeply. And, um, but you know, I think that a little more exploration into that could, could make that completely a thing of the past so that she can move forward completely fear-free absolutely yeah it's it's funny how sometimes we'll we'll have a reaction to something or we'll hold a belief and when we really examine it we think well where did that come from and you can't put a finger on it it's not a Mm -hmm. this life thing at all and it's only when we explore the possibility that okay well have i been here before was this something that happened to me previously we can have something which is referred to in um, the you know past life clinical circles as cellular memory, where mm-hmm. somehow part of our um, reincarnated spirit remembers something on a cellular mm-hmm. level. It's like, almost like um, a knee-jerk reaction to something. Mm-hmm. You know, there was um, a client that I regressed had a terrible fear of deep water, but only deep water that was in pitch dark. So, for example, they couldn't look into a well because 
it just would make them feel like they were going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having visited a castle and looked down a well, they, they had this experience where they were like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm going to fall in and die. Even though they, they'd backed off and they were like 10 feet away from the well at that point, they were just still convinced that they were going to somehow end up in the well and drown. And mm-hmm. that's how they finding me <laughs> and had mm-hmm. regression. And yes, indeed, it turned out that they had drowned in a well. They'd been thrown in uh, by someone unpleasant, obviously. Um, and they had actually drowned. So had they not gone for a regressive exploration, they would have just carried on feeling that way every time they were around some dark, deep water. Mm-hmm. You know, So it had impacted her life to the point where she couldn't go on a boat. She couldn't go anywhere that meant crossing water, even crossing bridges over, at night over bodies of water was a problem. You know, if oh, they were wow. travelling in a car. So it, it had started to really have a negative impact on restricting, you know, movement and where they visited. But then afterwards, I'm happy to say, I got a report saying, yes, I've been on holiday, I've been on a boat, I've driven over a bridge at night and I'm fine. So, yeah. We we can have no idea, no clue why we're so scared of something. I mean, not everything has a past life cause, obviously, but sometimes if we really can't put a rational explanation on something, then it's worth digging around and um, exploring. Mhm. Yeah. And and some you know something I found that people don't understand is that when you first look at it, that fear you feel right then, right there is probably 99 times out of 100, that is the most painful it's going to be is right then. It's not going to keep getting worse. It's right then. But so many people, they look at it, they feel that pain, they throw up their hands, no, no, this is too scary, this is too painful, I can't go any further, when they've already experienced the worst part. Yeah, exactly. So So let's take a short break. Uh, Can you hold that thought? Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. I sure can. Do you need spiritual help? If you want to be stronger, confident, happier, fearless and a lot more able to roll with what life brings to you, work with me to learn how. I can teach you one-to-one or via distance learning how to control and enhance your natural clairvoyance and healing abilities with over 25 years of my own experience. Begin to transform your life right now with some down-to-earth help, interesting articles and tips at rachelkeen.net. You're live with Rachel and Kate Spiritual Speak. just discussing past life regression, we're talking hypnotherapy, we're talking anxiety sessions and how to overcome things that have been holding us back, that energy that's been holding us back and to move forward in really positive ways to create happier, more joy-filled lives. And Rachel, you were just about to share something with us. Mm, yes. Um, I was talking um, today with someone about you know, the whole concept of reincarnation and where it keeps popping up in different cultures and philosophies all over the world. And 
a lot of people struggle with the concept of reincarnation in the Christian faith because they feel that maybe it's wrong. But there's actually a lot of support in the scriptures for reincarnation. There are many Bible verses which suggest or hint at it. And there are many theories out there that a large part of the Bible, I mean, we know that it's been rewritten 26 times at least by kings and popes to their own agendas over the years. But there's a whole passage, apparently, that was removed that referred to reincarnation and that Jesus would actually talk about reincarnation as something very real. And there are still some Bible verses today, especially in the Old Testament, that still suggest that reincarnation is something that was just readily accepted. I mean, we know that faiths such as Buddhism and philosophies are like that. They do refer to reincarnation. So there's lots of support going right back to the ancients that it's very much a real thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Jesus declared that John the Baptist was Elijah who had returned. Mm. That's still in the Bible. That's still suggested there. So when people say, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to look at regression because, you know, it's against, my, it's against my religion, it's against my faith, I think it was always there. But, again, somebody removed it because they didn't want us all talking about it. So for me, spiritually... The concept is is sound. I mean, I know that I've experienced past lives myself. I know. I was, you know, as a child, even before I realised I had any kind of sensory ability in terms of, you know, psychic things or, you know, anything like that, spiritual. I, I had an experience with my grandmother when we visited the British Museum and I knew what things were in the Egyptian hall. I'd got no frame of reference for it, but I just knew what they were, mm-hmm. I knew what the federal was for truth. So how do we explain that away? If we look at it as a sceptic, how do we explain that stuff away? We can't, can we? Mm-mm. No, that's, 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 you know, that's so interesting. There have been times that, you know, I've, I've not maybe been personally, physically there at a place, but look at a picture and feel like, you know, that was home. Um, yeah. I used to feel like that, different things I'd, I'd see about Egypt. And then I, the very first angel reading I ever had was with Barbara Mark, of the um, angels, one of the Angel Speak authors. And she was te- show, telling me that she was seeing this past life where I was in Egypt and I was... Um, uh, I was some. I, I was. I was. I was an assistant or um, something to a, a higher up ruler. And when that person died, I got. It was an honor to go into the tomb and be sealed up in the tomb with them. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem like such of an honor today because <laughs> I was still <laughs> alive and they weren't. <laughs> but Barbara assured me it was a really good thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think you were for it. I did feel very comfortable in middle management back in the day when I worked in an office. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't want to be climbing the wrong too far because you'll end up entombed for having risen <laughs> to the ramp. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of strange, but it you know it it um, 
it helped me to understand some of my feelings about, you know, being in, not that I'm not uh, claustrophobic, but, you know, like being in a basement without windows, I just don't like it. Yeah, me too. I used to work in an office with no windows, and it absolutely, it was awful. I just felt like I needed to just get out of there. Mm-hmm. It was just really pleasant. So, yeah, where did that where does that come from you know because you can be perfectly happy in a room with no windows in different circumstances some people are totally unaffected by it so it's not just a natural thing you know it's there's usually a reason why we have a reaction to something when we are technically perfectly safe there's no immediate danger to us but we have this just crazy strong reaction to what seems like a perfectly normal circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know, me reacting to a person speaking to me, like I needed to run away because that person was going to kill me. That's just, that's not normal. That's not okay. And then, mm-hmm. thankfully, I have the reason for that. But I think a great many people do have reactions, very strong reactions to things. And maybe they should look into... Okay, well, there's no rational explanation for this. What other explanation could there be? Mhm. Yeah. When when I was a small child, I started having nightmares, the same nightmare over and over again, of being in an alleyway and hearing somebody breathing, heavy breathing, and lights flashed up on this building. And there was a man up on the uh, fire escape, and he was dirty, and he was eating something, and he threw it down, and he started coming down the fire escape after me. And I was just terrified. And I remember always I would wake up and just covered in sweat, and I'd just be just so afraid, just terrified afraid. And... A few years ago, I just asked my angels to show me what that was about. And it was from a past life in New York. And when I went to New York, a few well, in 2005, I didn't feel comfortable there. I didn't like it there. I didn't want to go back. And, you know, now it'd probably be fine because I faced all of that. I understand what that past life experience was and that I'm safe now, that that's not something that's going to happen to me, that's something that's already happened to me, it's just a part of my past, and and it's okay. I had fulfilled what I came to do, and and I was done, and that was the way my physical body was just, that's the way it was going to die, and there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. But because I'd had that recurring dream all the time, I just asked my angels to show me what it was about, and they did. And so, but, you know, if if I hadn't gotten the closure that I needed for that, that healing, then I would definitely have sought help with a past life regression to fully heal that. Mm. I mean, we can often, you know, when we, if we sit in meditation and set the intent before we begin, that the intention behind this meditation is to find answers behind something, or even 
that the intention that you want to be shown a snippet from a past life that might explain something meaningful about who you are today, mm-hmm. that can be very powerful. Um, I've done that before. I've done that in group meditations as well, and that can be really very, very powerful. Um, you know, you can uncover all sorts of really positive information about who you are today and who you've been. I remember mm-hmm. doing that once where I see I used to you know me, I used to be a bit skeptical about everything spiritual at first and <laughs> questioned my guides like there was no tomorrow. And I remember questioning why does everyone seem to have a Native American guide? Why has everyone got one? You know, blah blah blah. Um and I was then shown in response to my scepticism a snippet of a past life I'd had and I was given the name of the tribe. I was given the name of my guide. I was given lots of information. And I was shown this particular corn. And it was all multicolored. And I was like, why, why am I being shown the corn on the cob? Why am I being shown it like, like it's been painted like jewels? And then when I came out of the meditation, I wrote everything down. And I then looked everything up. Mm-hmm. I had to ask my guide three times how to spell the name of the Indian nation that I was given. And I found evidence of all of it. And it's information that I hadn't stored away in my brain from somewhere that I'd seen before because I had never come across this inside before. And there it was. And the reason I was shown the multicolored corn was because they knew that that was one bit of proof that I couldn't possibly have made up in my head mm-hmm. in imagination that there'd be this multicolored corn, but there it was. And this particular nation was known for its ancient connection to growing this corn that was multicolored. And oh, I was wow. Just like, okay, yep, there's my proof. And that was just meditation. <laughs> it wasn't, that wasn't a past life regression as such. It mm-hmm. was just me setting the intention. Okay, well, explain to me, you know, where is this connection? So quite often we have you know whatever nationality or um, appearance our guides might have, our spirit guides it's usually because we've got some past life connection with that part of the world and we've actually lived a life out there mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. showed me so, yeah, I, I didn't ask any more questions after that, I was like okay that's me told <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar experience with that with a Native American situation with a woman that I met here in Colorado um, several years ago, and when we met each other, it was it was funny because we we were at a um, I think it was Theta Healing um, program, and we got partnered up and we started talking and I and and just decided you know we've been together in a previous life, and so we decided to ask our angels and guides to show us what that was and talk about it the next day. And when I did the meditation and asked them to show me, I very clearly saw the two of us as young Indian women that lived here in the United States, actually lived here in Colorado, and um, soldiers came. We were not at the village. We were out gathering something because we had baskets. And um, soldiers came, and we heard them attacking the village, and we ran back and um, they were just 
slaughtering people, our, our families. And I remembered seeing her running and this soldier shooting her in the back. And that's as far as, it, as I went with the experience. And then um, talked to her the next day, and she, she confirmed that she, she actually didn't die at that when that she was shot um but was you know seriously wounded and um she totally got the same same message it was it was um that that was pretty exciting because i at that point i had never done anything like that but i had no expectations that i couldn't you know i there was nobody to say well you can't do that they're not going to tell you anything <laughs> you know i just asked and here's the information and then when i talked to her about it she got the same thing so um, you know, when we don't put expectations on what can actually happen and, and the information we can take in, and we're just open, open with our heart to take in whatever information our angels and guides um, show us, you know, we can experience some pretty miraculous um, things and get great information. So true. I always say, be open-minded but not so open-minded that your brain falls out. You know, we need to have <laughs> the rational mind still has a role to play. You know, there are, some people will believe anything they read or are told by somebody. And I always tell people to question what's said, mm-hmm. even if it's something that I've said to them or, mm-hmm. you know. If it feels resonant, wonderful. If it doesn't, you take what you need from it and you leave the rest behind and you research the hell out of whatever you feel you need to look at. I mean, for me, past life regression, I I read some really away with the fairy stuff, you know, and, and it just didn't feel right to me. And I did my own research and I found a really credible teacher and did my course in hypnotherapy specialising in past life regression as a result of that. But, you know, there, there are some quite out there theories mm-hmm. <laughs> around. So I always say to people, you know, like I said, keep that mind open but not too open. Don't believe everything that you see in here. You need to have your own experiences, find your own validations and then that becomes your truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my own regressions and I found truth in that. I experienced and learned how it's done properly, so it's all good. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, slightly going off tangent with regression, but on a similar subject, I was speaking to someone this week um, during a a call that they'd been told by someone that they'd had 27 entities removed from their solar plexus and another 19 entities removed from somewhere else. And I said, on earth? Would a spirit, earthbound or not, who can be anywhere at will in the blink of an eye, why would they want to reside slightly above someone's bowels in a body? Why would they do that? (laughs) It makes no sense. None whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I've never experienced in 25 years a spirit attachment in a body part, ever. I've never seen it in anybody I've yet to come across it. I don't believe that that's real. But, again, it's like I was saying earlier, you know, sometimes people will write something 
someone else will read that and accept that as gospel truth when really there's no actual proof of that. Mm-hmm. None. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important that we learn our truth center. You know, we can, you can hear something and feel it in your body and know whether it's, okay, that resonates with me or it doesn't. And to follow that guidance. You know, even just like, you know, you ask your kid, did you eat those cookies out of the cookie jar? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you can tell whether they're telling you the truth or not. Maybe they didn't and the husband did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that where that truth center is in our own individual bodies really helps to guide us and to show us what is the truth and what isn't. Mm, very much so. Yeah, it's just, it's just, just you know, discernment. When you're dealing with spiritual subjects, it's so important that mm-hmm. you just... Because people, there are some practitioners that genuinely believe that they're doing good and they genuinely believe they are removing 21 entities from somebody's colon or whatever. But mm-hmm. <laughs> just because they believe it to be true doesn't make it true for everybody else. Yeah, And it can be quite dangerous, you know. Some people can then get very worried that they have got other things lurking, you know. I mean, and there are, of course, unscrupulous practitioners that deliberately mislead by saying that they're removing entities. Oh, there's another 312 residing, you know, in your temporal lobe, and I need to get those out, so you need to pay me money for me to do that. Mm. No, you know, it's just, it, it makes no sense some of it and we have to work out for ourselves like you say you've got to work out what that truth is so always check in with yourself you know does that feel right to me does that mm-hmm. feel like truth and yeah. if all the alarm bells are going off then run for the hills <laughs> yeah listen to it listen to it and and you know right like right now here in the United States you know we're we're having a change of president here mm-hmm. and there's a lot of unrest there's a lot of fear yeah. in my country um, and you know as as a bystander of that I feel it I feel um, that fear and I have to choose whether I'm going to fall into it and embrace it or not. You know, and and yeah. shifting into a higher energy, you know, that is so important for us to be able to choose what, like you just said, what we're going to believe and what energy we're going to be. And you know, we create our realities through the energy that we're vibrating in. And if we're vibrating in fear, then we're going to create experiences that are fearful. So it's so important for us to realize what energy our bodies are experiencing and when we hear things whether it's it resonates with us whether we feel that's a truth or not and if it's not then seeking that higher outcome and that higher energy so that we can you know when when we're vibrating at a lower energy we're just we're right there attracting other things of that low energy but when we're in a higher vibration, then we can attract the things and create in our lives things that are of that higher vibration, creating that higher outcome and, and sharing our light with the world. And it's so important at this time for us to do that, each and every one of us, to move out of any fear that we're feeling and be in that, that love energy. You know, Rachel and I have been talking about 
anxiety and, and hypnotherapy and anxiety sessions, past life regressions, all things to help us move out of any pain or anxiety of the past and live in the present and being in this moment, in this body, and choosing to be in that highest vibration of love so that we can live that life that we really want to live and not be recreating over and over again things that are uncomfortable for us. So we're going to take a really quick break, and we will be right back. Is worry dragging you down and robbing you of joy and happiness? Then it's time you met your worry angel. When you get the free essential mastery tools from the Soul Kisses website, you'll be gently guided to meet your worry angel and learn to work with him to live your life worry-free. There's nothing sadder than an unemployed worry angel. Meet yours and keep him employed. Go to soulkisses.com to get your free essential mastery tools. With Rachel and Kate, Spiritual Speak. So, Rachel, what are some tools that you use to help you stay in that higher vibration of love? Well, I remind myself that, and this is a scientific fact, not a spiritual one, that everything in the universe is energy, frequency, and vibration. And therefore, everything in the universe is affected by such. So you saying about, you know, keeping our vibration at a certain level is is so accurate. It's so right. Because if we don't take care of that, if we allow ourselves to drop down into that denser vibrational energy then it's so much more difficult to help ourselves feel positive or feel good about something. So for me at the moment, I mean, a lot of my clients are from America and a lot of them have been expressing to me their fear about what's happening um, with the lovely president-elect that's um, about to take charge. And so having to do a lot of work on clearing the chakras. I mean, I do mine all the time. And it's a very overlooked but important thing. You know, because when we do experience fear or lower vibrational energy or, you know, we get mired down in in negative events that are happening around us, we keep hold of some of that energy within our energy centers. And so if you think of each energy center as a spinning wheel that's brightly lit, it, this stuff, the denser, lower vibrational stuff, it slows the wheels down and it clogs them up to the point where they're barely spinning at, at some points with, with people. So keeping those energy centers clear, either by using a meditation to focus on each one in turn as being brightly lit and opening and then closing, that helps greatly. There is a meditation on my website for that in the meditation store if that's of interest. I've also been told it helps people to get to sleep when they cleanse their chakras in that way as well. Um, You can have a professional do it like me, where it's distantly or in person. Some people offer different services. 
I do either. Um, and I've been told by my clients that it just, it's like pressing the reset button. You know, if you've been feeling really fearful and anxious and really beyond the point which is reasonable about a subject, sometimes it's because there's just other stuff involved. You know, you've picked up on the energy of yourself, other people worrying about the same thing or similar things. Sometimes our environment can also clog things up for us as well because if there are people around us that are in a denser vibrational state than we are, if they're full of fear or worry or anger, then we're picking up that as well. So that's the single most important thing that I do. The other thing that I do is very quickly cleanse my energy down if I know, if I realize in a moment I've been affected by a shift in vibrational energy around me, whether it's environmental or, again, a person that's, you know, in the midst, I'll quickly do that with with just a very quick cleanse down, just sending all negative energy down through my feet, down through roots into the earth. Placing grounding and protection around myself morning and night is also a really good preventative measure for any of this um, impact on my energy. Those are some basics, you know, that's really quick and easy stuff that you can do. And anyone can do it. You know, you don't have to be a practitioner or have any special abilities. You can maintain and look after your energy quite simply. And there's information on my website, rachelkeen.net, to help with that. Oh. All good stuff. All really good stuff. You know, <clears throat> something that, that I find happening for myself is, is um, overwhelm or anxiety just creeping up on me. Um, you know, I'm fine, and the next thing I know, oh, geez, I feel like I, I just, what do I do next? I've just got so much to do. Um, and recognizing when I start feeling that, that energy, um, stop and look at, am I tired? And mm-hmm. have I just been going, going, going and not breathing? And, you know, taking some deep breaths. And, and those are two things that are key for me um, is allowing the physical world anxieties to come into my personal space by letting myself get tired and by not breathing deeply. Um, I've, I've learned that when I start getting anxious or maybe I get angry about something because I'm not in agreement with it, just a few deep breaths, really deep, deep breaths, all the way down into the belly, um, and then the anger is gone. It's just gone because it just doesn't even matter. And when we're in anger or overwhelmed, those are all fear energies. That's less than love energy, and you can't be in love and fear at the same time. So when you dissipate that anger or that overwhelm energy, then you can recapture and be in that higher vibration of love to create that higher outcome that you're looking for. And maybe you just need to take a walk or maybe you need to go to bed. Maybe you're exhausted. You just have to get some rest. You know, there there are so many easy things that we can do ourselves and just like all the things that Rachel just mentioned uh, to help protect ourselves and make our lives so much easier you know we make our lives really challenging and difficult by the choices that we make and so many times those are subconscious choices we don't even realize that we're making them 
So to be more in the moment, more mindful of what we're deciding on and are we breathing deeply and, you know, getting that breath of God in our bodies brings us clarity of thought that maybe we didn't have five minutes ago because unknown to ourselves, we're sitting there holding our breath, you know. I I do that, and Rachel, you probably catch yourself doing it at your computer. That's where I really catch myself that, oh, my gosh, when's the last time I took a deep breath or even breathed because I'm sitting here holding my breath. (laughs) But it's such a simple thing. Yeah, doing my tax return makes me hold my breath. I hate doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sit there at the computer, and I'm like, Yep, I'm only using the top 5% of my lungs right now. I need to breathe and go away, mm-hmm. maybe eat something, you know, ground myself. But there are quick and easy ways, you know, you could, I mean, tiredness, as you said, the world seems like it's ending when you're really tired. Any mm-hmm. any small thing that goes wrong or annoys you can be like the end of the world because you can get like a grumpy toddler. But mm-hmm. true, you know, you need to check in with yourself and just say, oh, am I tired? Is it something happening that's responsible for this but you know it's breathing deeply it sounds so easy doesn't it it's too simple but mm-hmm. it makes such a difference that's why i start each day with a morning meditation at the moment i'm really loving um watching the sun come up because i tend to be awake really early at the moment so mm-hmm. i love to because the sun comes up above the trees on the farm where i live and it's just so beautiful to watch that sky change from dark and if it's cloudless, you know, you can see the stars fading and you watch that sun come up. And so I like to sit and practice and just breathe and just be in the moment and watch the sunrise. And if that is something that you can do, if you've got the privilege of being able to take that moment when the sun comes up to take the time to do it, because it only really takes about 10 minutes for the sun to come up fully. That is so powerful for me right now. You know, I, I breathe really deeply. I watch it, and it just—it really fills me with energy for the day. And I've been posting photos of the sunrises on Instagram nearly every day because it's just like, wow, I need to share this. Um, it's just something that's a real privilege. Something so simple that quite often we're so busy, we don't take the time to notice mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Wow, that's that's a pretty special thing that you're being able to do first thing in the morning. That's wonderful. And to share it with everybody, that's even better. (laughs) Yeah, it's become a morning meditation ritual. Now, I've always had a morning morning meditation. You know, um, in the summer, I'm usually outside with a, a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and just watching the scenery change because, you know, just watching the wildlife, all the birds listening to them singing, really listening to them singing, and watching mm-hmm. the clouds move across the sky. That's something anyone can do at any moment. You can step outside, day or night, and you can look up. And you can look at something bigger than all of us, whether it's the stars, whether it's a cloudy night with the moon peeping out, whether it's just a beautiful sunny day. Even a grey cloudy day, there's all stuff going on in the distance. If you take yourself out to a wide space, you'll see birds, you'll see animals, people. Just observing, truly observing what's going on around you can be a meditation in itself, even if you don't feel like meditation's your thing. Mm -hmm. Just brings you that stillness, brings you back into that moment. 
I, I had something really special happen um, one day this week. I can't remember what day it was. It started snowing, and I had to run an errand, and I had on a black coat. And when I got back in the truck, I looked down at my sleeve, and, of course, I had snow on me, and the snowflakes were big enough that you could see them. And they were all, of course, they're all different. And you could see their crystal shapes. And, oh, my God, they were so incredibly beautiful. And by the time I get my cell phone to focus on it, to take a picture, it would melt. It would melt. So I couldn't get my camera to work (laughs) to get a photograph because I wanted to share it with everyone because it was just so beautiful. And if you've never seen a snowflake, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna post it on on the Facebook today. From I took some uh, a couple years ago, same kind of thing. It had started snowing, and the snowflakes were big enough that you could see really see them and see the detail. And I was able to actually get some pictures because I wasn't in the truck. I was standing outside in the freezing cold, <laughs> taking pictures. But I kept sticking my arm outside the window and bringing it in and trying to take a picture, and it just wasn't working. But I sure tried. <laughs> But seeing I have snow, snow What was that? I have snow. I have snow envy because I didn't even know until you said that. I didn't even know that was possible without macro photography. I didn't know wow. you could see that beautiful structure with the naked eye. Oh, these wow. were big. I, I, I will send. I will send you some, Rachel. As soon as we get off here, I'll send you some because oh my God, they are so beautiful. The very first time I ever saw them was when my daughter was with me. And she had on a dark coat, and we got in the vehicle, and I saw them on her sleeve, and I was like, oh, my God, I was having a fit. I mean, you'd have thought that Christ came back and sat in the car with us. I was so excited. (laughs) And Jesse's like, what is wrong with you? I said, look at these snowflakes on your arm. And um, same thing, we couldn't get pictures of them fast enough. They kept melting. But, uh, yeah, beautiful, just beautiful. They look like, you know, those water crystals that Moto took the pictures of? Is that the guy? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. They look like that. Wow. When I've seen photographs, I've seen photographs, and it, it's just so amazing and beautiful that every single one is so detailed and every single one is unique. But to know now that them with the naked eye, if we ever get snow again this year, which is unlikely because we don't get much here, I'm going to be outside <laughs> getting covered in snow. This is one big Put a put wow. a something a, a big a big black something out or something very dark laid out where the snowflakes can land on them and see them. Like you know, we had snow later in the day and it had they were too tiny to see. But these were they. It's a very dry snow when that happens. It's like well, they call it powder here, um, powder snow. So we are at the top of the hour, and it has been so much fun to visit with all of you. And we want to thank you for being with us live today, and thank you for listening to our recording. We are so grateful for you. And Rachel and I will be back with you the first Thursday of February. So until then, have a wonderful, wonderful uh, week and a half. We'll talk to you then.